ladies and gentlemen, I'm James Bowen. I'm here with uh, Justin Martin for the BTU podcast, and today we got a very special guest. We're going worldwide today. We have ourselves a very famous gentleman off of Twitter. You may know him as Freight Caviar, but uh, here we like to call him Paul Bernard. Uh, is Paul Bernard Jawaski, or how do you pronounce your last name? Uh, you, can, you can call me Paul or PBJ. It's it is uh, <laughs> Paul. It's my last name is Jaroslawski. Oh but God, that's, a long, that's a long Polish name. You could just call me yeah, Paul or PBJ. Uh, we'll just call you PB or PBJ, but I don't know. That might make me want to have a sandwich <laughs> or something like that, you know. But uh, Paul, how are you doing today? Sounds like you've been uh, just got off the plane here. Yeah, I landed uh, yesterday in Poland. Uh, so a little bit jet lagged. Overall, it's pretty good. It's 7 p.m. Uh, right now in, in Poland. Uh, I've been working all day. Well, I got up at noon Polish time, which is 5 a.m. Central time, but it's, it's been good. I had a good flight yesterday which I actually just kind of off topic but I so we flew out of Chicago Tuesday night and an hour into the flight the the plane had to make an emergency landing in Toronto because a lady felt sick and a, the doctor on board told the, the the pilot that they should land because it's an emergency and she might not survive the flight so instead of taking like eight hours or nine hours like the, like the flight it actually took 12 hours because it was an hour to Toronto an hour in Toronto and then an hour to make up for, for flying to Toronto. So yeah, it was just, it was kind of a headache, but it, back in Poland, this is where I, I spend most of my time, but I, I spent the summer in, in the States. Uh, but yeah, unfortunately I got to be back in Poland now. Polish names are like some of my favorite to butcher. I used to work with Gabowski, Tarandowski. Everything's always like anything. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I can't wait it's to, uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> can't wait to screw this one up. <laughs> yeah. I guess, we ju- I, get, I guess we just got to think Kelly Kapowski off of Saved by the Bills, you know? <laughs> that was an easy one though <laughs> uh so, so paul how was uh how was the trip to armenia i mean uh you did a little investigative reporting for us on uh double brokering dude yeah it was crazy so uh well i i've always known while working as a freight broker that there was like something shady going on in armenia in terms of like double brokering because i like freight brokers all freight brokers get this like if you uh, James or Justin, if you were to speak to a freight broker that that's that's doing carrier sales on a daily basis, like they're going to get spammed in their emails uh, with fake American names like Barry Johnson or John Smith, like blatantly American names that are just too American sounding, like uh, to be real. And also get phone calls with very thick like accents, like hello, you know, like all this kind of like weird stuff. And these people. Like they don't have trucks, they're just double brokering it. Um, and so when I started doing my free caviar on Instagram, I realized like I, a lot of my followers are from Armenia. Like uh, in total, I could check in with the insights on, on Instagram. I could check where they're from, and six percent of them are from Armenia, which is actually uh, the second largest population uh, group after the U.S. Because in the U.S., I have like around sixty-seven percent of my followers are based in the U S and 6% are, are from Armenia. So I'm like, yikes, this must be really big. Cause like all the Armenians I know, like, or have heard of are double brokering. And and then I, I know freight waves came out with a very good investigative report um, uh, on it from like the, the Glendale, California perspective and the owners in Glendale, um, the, the Americans that are, have an Armenian background. And so I was like, crap, I gotta, I gotta go to Armenia and see what's going on. Like I'm only a few hour flight away from here. So like I have to go there. Can you walk me a dumb, dumb, like me through the process of what, just what is double brokering? 
Cause like I, I was always, I was always a, a company driver and I never had to book my own lows, never had to worry about any of that stuff. But I keep hearing this term a lot. And just from the little reading I've done, it just sounds like a complete scam. Is there any, in what way would there ever be like a legitimate reason for double brokering? So essentially, uh, there's okay. Double brokering. Uh, I'm going to, I mean, I'm going to use two terms. Sorry. There's a lot going on in my mind right now. There's, sure. Double brokering and co-brokering. Essentially, mm-hmm. what co-brokering is, is let's say a large 3PL uh, can't cover their loads or they need help covering the loads because they have too much freight. A co-brokering agreement, which exists in the industry, is between two freight brokerages that essentially share freight. Or, you know, they, they might, let's say one 3PL is better at covering outbound California and they they kind of have an agreement in place where it's like they have all the legality done. So essentially they're sharing loads. A double broker is essentially calling, um, fraudulently, fraudulently calling with a fake name um, to a broker telling them they have a truck. So they're like, oh, I have a truck for this load. Please send me the Raycon for this amount. They take that tender and then they resell it to a different company under under their own name, company name, to another trucking company that will take the load. So essentially, they're they're going to a broker, telling them they have a truck. In reality, they're just going to go sell it on the market for cheaper. So that's that's double brokering. And then a lot of the issues that arise, because like let let's just say the double broker covers a load of another trucking company, and they pay them, and everything goes smoothly. Technically, you know, like it's just like a broker outsourcing their work to someone else to take care of. But the issues arise when you have, first of all, compliance issues. So you're not sure if this trucking company has good safety scores, if they're legally allowed to haul that that freight. So uh, like, let's say you give a load to a double broker uh, that's metal and the actual trucking company is not, not insured for metal. That's a huge insurance claim. And then there's some really bad apples out there that will take the load as a double broker get paid by the brokerage because they have the POD and then not pay the trucking company. And then, you know, after a few, after a month of doing that, they just, you know, go MIA, they close on the business and they just literally made a hundred percent profit. So, uh, and it's, so there's a few reasons why it's a big problem in the industry and they're essentially, they're scammers and they're spamming people. But on the flip side, you do have technically double brokering happening legally. And when it does happen legally, it's called co-brokering. And a lot of 3PLs, large 3PLs in America do work together uh, and have co-brokering agreements. So it sounds like like a legit example of co-brokering would be there's a, uh, let's say a major holiday come up, like Halloween, and a factory needs all these goods and supplies picked up. You know, the I'll say the they don't make them here in America, but the Halloween masks. And all of a mm-hmm. sudden there's like a thousand more orders of Halloween masks that are going to warehouses and these brokers can fill, so they partner up with other brokers to help cover those loads. And then double brokers are basically companies pretending to do that, but then pocketing everything for themselves. Uh, so no, because double okay. brokers, uh, they some double brokers do pocket everything, but I would say the majority don't. The majority are the majority of double brokers are claiming to be a trucking company when in reality they're just a brokerage. I see. Uh, yeah, so I guess it's the simplest way to put it. Sometimes I it's difficult for me to put put it into simple terms, but essentially, yeah, a double broker is pretending to be a trucking company when in reality all they're doing is 
rebrokering that load. Uh, and if I'm a broker, broker, and if I'm a broker, I'm turning a blind eye to this because, as far as I know, the load is taken care of. I would say the majority of brokerages, and especially small shop brokerages, don't turn a blind eye on it. They absolutely hate double brokers with a passion, and they just you know block all the numbers. They freight guard all of them. Whereas large three PLs that have since you're have being a large broker, it's more difficult to maintain control over every shipment. And so when you have these carrier sales reps, you know, I would say like a regular, like a junior carrier sales rep, they're just like, oh, they're going to take the load. Here's the load. Um, and, you know, as long as there's no issues, they, they turn a blind eye on it, even though they know that it's happening. But for the most part, it's a big issue. And a lot of people hate it uh, in the industry. Besides the large trucking comp, the large brokerages that see the see the advantage of it and are too big to to even notice uh, and do compliance on these carriers, double, double brokers. So another term you use is freight guarding, and I know the double the double brokers that are running this hate that. What exactly is freight guarding? So there's a website called Carrier411.com, and it's probably the I think every freight broker or eighty percent of freight brokers use it. Uh, essentially. It's it's a platform for freight brokers to to put a company uh, a carrier that you know did a bad job or was unethical or did held a load hostage uh, or double broker. There's essentially you can report these companies. You can report these companies, and when you report them, it's called a freight guard. That's what carrier four and one termed uh, termed the name of reporting a carrier. And essentially, it's it's really bad because once a double broker has a freight guard for a double broker. Most freight brokers just won't work with them. So they had to just create a new company, new MC. Uh, and so, yeah, they, they do hate it uh, a lot. Uh, just so we don't get whooped. Uh, Cassandra Gaines from Freightwaves also has a carrier shirt. I just wanted to put that out. Yeah, I actually wanted to mention that. I wanted to mention that because uh, the, the owner of Carrier 411, I'm not sure if I could say this out loud, but what I've heard is that he's a complete a-hole. Uh, and I know Cassandra has been using some of that for her marketing, which is great because uh, hopefully Carrier Sure could take over the over the market because uh, Carrier Phone wants the, the customer service is awful over there. They seem to be blocking <laughs> a lot of people. Yeah, that, uh, one of my questions about that was like, let's say I'm a, I'm a broker and I've been added there. I, I feel accidentally or I'm being like punished for something that was beyond my control. If you're added to that list, is there any way that you can like submit a complaint or, or feedback saying, hey, you know, so, I shouldn't be on this list? Sure. You could reply to the freight guard. And if it's if let's say the broker is kind of absurd in what they're freight guarding the person for, uh, carrier 411 could take that freight guard down. Usually they don't, but there are instances where Carrier for One has taken down freight guards just because the broker wrote some absurd report that shouldn't have like the the reason for the report wasn't you know necessary of a freight guard. Uh, also, broker freight, double brokers could pay the freight freight broker to take down a report. Yeah, uh, <laughs> oh, oh, oh. yeah. yeah. So that's a business of itself. I, I've heard people freight guarding others just to get money, just to have it taken down. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of stuff that goes on and it yeah, is like, detrimental because to this, business. Because this seems like the Wild West, like what's to stop these double brokers from just like going behind the back of other guys, booking loads and then screwing it up and then getting those brokers added onto Broker 411? You know, 
uh, what's interesting, I'm not sure if you saw, uh, Justin, my, uh, my Instagram stories from yesterday, but there is this large trucking company out of Chicago that's been in business for a long time. They, they, they're a good trucking company, have a lot of trucks called GP Transco. And some guy sent me a, a screenshot of an email between them. And essentially, some person is impersonating or not impersonating or saying that he works for them and showing their MC because everything is done via email and then requesting to get paid via uh, Cash App and QuickPay. And this guy <laughs> fell for it. Red flags, red flags, red flags. Yeah, huge red flags. Yeah. And yeah, but to when I was opening up a freight brokerage, I don't own a freight brokerage anymore, but I had one for a few months and we had no credit score and no trucking company wanted to work with us. Essentially all the time, like I had to pay via cash app a lot, but I, I did compliance on these carriers and I made sure that they're legitimate companies and I checked their email addresses. I, I did a lot of stuff to, to make sure that this was a legitimate person with a trucking company. So yeah, there are people scamming like that, Justin, to your point. And you got to be careful and compliance is very important. That's why companies like Carrier Sure and Carrier Phone One are super important for a freight broker. Yeah. Now, has, has anyone come up with this idea to have like, um, I guess like the closest equivalent would be like a, a Twitter check mark, but for freight brokers, that way you don't even have to do all the digging. You just ought to already know that they're a legit company or is that just something that can be scammed as well? That could be scammed just because like, from like that company yesterday, like GP Transco, like that would have a blue check mark, but you have to dig deeper in to see the email address to make sure, oh, is that was that Gary at gptransco.com or was that Gary GP Transco at gmail.com? Cause he just made mm. a Gmail account. Yeah. So the company, the trucking company is great, uh, but someone's u- utilizing their info and taking loads, not picking them up and just taking Cash App <laughs> money. So yeah, I mean, it's. <sighs> It's so difficult to create a system where it'd be easy to do. And that's why companies like Cassandra's and 411 are so important. And until someone comes around and somehow is able to verify these email addresses instantaneously, or uh, it's, it's going to keep happening because there's so many people in this industry and it's uh, so segmented and there's, there's so many ways for shady people to be shady because it's all over email and phone essentially. That they could just hide and run away. So yeah. So so why Armenia? Why isn't this happening in like, you know, Hungary or Poland or India, or, so, or is it? But but Armenia just happens to be number one. You know, it's interesting. Well, the the largest diaspora from Armenia is in Glendale, California, and so this this city, Glendale, California, has become infamous because all the companies for the longest time, these double brokering companies were registered in Glendale until essentially like like nowadays most freight brokerages won't work with a company that's set up in Glendale. Like that's how bad it got. So even if you were a legitimate trucking company out of Glendale, California, and there are probably a couple that were legitimate, like you had to really prove that you have trucks with either references or I don't know, you you can't just call a brokerage and be like, I'm from Glendale, California. Can you set up, set me up? It just won't happen. Like these, the, they became notorious. The city became notorious for double brokering. Um, I think it was, was it you that posted that there were more MC registered in Glendale, California than there would be like capacity to park the trucks? That wasn't me, but yeah. So like people share that information and freight brokers. That. That's wild. Yeah. Yeah. Like there might be more MCs in Glendale than like people. Like, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. But so they became smarter with it. So now they're actually buying MCs um, around the country. They're buying MCs like that are just 
someone that's not using them. So um, I think the reason being why it's Armenia, Armenia is notorious for it. I'm not going to say that like other, it's not happening in other countries, but I, people realize uh, that it's an easy way to make money, especially in that community. So in the Glendale diaspora uh, from Armenia, like they're like, yo, we could just open up an MC carrier, uh, an operating authority for a trucking company and a brokerage and just have people in Armenia calling all these people and we'll just pay them gross profit. So it's not costing us anything essentially besides insurance costs. And these kids in Armenia are going to, we're going to train them up and they're going to be doing this, you know, like, and they realize they can make a lot of money, a lot. Like, I don't know the exact numbers, but I'm pretty sure the owners in our, like in LA, like are living in mansions. And I'm not sure if uh, Justin and James, if you've read the investigative report from FreightWaves on FreightWaves.com, it came out a couple of years ago. And like, there's descriptions of, you know, like four or $5 million mansions, uh managers re- receiving rolexes at the the dinner parties uh like crazy parties so like they were milking it for years where it was like they they came in and they they realized there's essentially a market for it and when when you, let, if you want to be a typical freight broker not a double broker it's a lot more work you have to go set up with shippers you have to be very competitive with all the other freight brokerages uh you have to have a lot of cash flow ready to 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 set up any shipper essentially whereas if you're if you're a double broker and a truck and a fake trucking company you could just factor all these loads and the factoring company will have your cash flow uh in the bank within hours of completing the load so i think they just they realize they could make a lot of money this way um and in that community it became like intriguing and they kind of built off on on it and there are, there are like double brokers that exist in other parts of the world, but I think it just really took over in Armenia. Like when yeah. that's like, yeah, they took advantage of it. Yeah. And for people who haven't been to Glendale, California, it's basically like one gigantic suburb. There's not like a big warehousing district. It's, it's just houses, a bunch of apartments, and then like one giant mall and that's it. So yeah, when, Actually, you, have, when you have that many trucking companies registered in one area, you know, that's, that's a, that's a big red flag right there. I, I actually went to Glendale in April and I hung out with some Armenians there. Uh, <laughs> that's another funny story. I got invited, but this guy actually operates a warehouse in Fontana, California, and they have their own trailers. And so I, I want to say it loud and clear, not every Armenian is a double broker. And uh, there, are, there, are, you know, there are some that actually have logistics companies that are legitimate and they work hard. So I don't want to take away from them. I don't want to and I, they're yeah. me, the people were really nice. They're very welcoming too. Even like the ones that were shady and stuff were really nice to me. So <laughs> they're basically like, um, like I, I lived in Philly and it just reminds me of the Italian community out there too. It's the same, same kind of stuff. Everybody's got to try and like, like the Italian mob had sanitation all mobbed up in there. Yeah. And that's basically what this sounds like to me with, with the Armenians. Totally. Got to make a living. Yeah, but you know, it's it sounds it's got to be frustrating though, especially if you're trying to run a legit business, and then now you've got this stigma of you know, oh, you might be associated with these guys that are they're scamming us all over the place. You know, how are you supposed to stand out as like, no, I'm a legit company, a legit business. I don't want to be associated with these guys. Yeah, I mean, this relation, this this industry is so relationship heavy, to where if you're legitimate um, and you don't want to associate with them, like there's there's ways to to get yourself a good reputation 
Uh, at the end of the day, if, if you're working with a freight brokerage or a trucking company and you want to have that relationship, there's, there's ways to build that relationship. So people that are doing a good job um, and those that aren't doing a shady operation, there's always ways for them to stick out. And uh, yeah, that's, that's well, true. And from the, and from the truck driver perspective, you know, you, you can't go two states without seeing a dozen bumper stickers that say, say no to cheap freight. And yeah. To me, it sounds like this this scam is is what's keeping freight so cheap because by the time it gets down to the drivers, you know, all the money's taken out. Sure. And you want to know another huge scam that's taking place in Chicago trucking companies. And I've talked about this before. I actually have a YouTube video up. I posted in February of like, so a lot of trucking companies in Chicago are cutting rates for like owner operators. Uh, essentially, they're telling the, the owner operator that runs for their on their MC and their authority that like this load only pays this much. And then they're, you know, the, the brokers, the broker is giving the trucking company the load for a thousand dollars. The trucking company selling the owner operator only pays $700. And then the owner operator still has to pay the fees of operating for under that MC of like 10%. So they'll end up getting 670 when in, or was that the, no? Sorry, that's uh, six thirty instead of getting the thousand that the brokers really paying because uh, this because trucking companies in Chicago and in other places in the country are cutting rates uh, themselves. So it's it's awful. That that that's happened a couple times before, and there's a it always gets brought up. You know, back in I believe it was twenty eighteen, where all the the guys at Laredo really got mad about the rate cutting and drove to washington dc during the trump administration yeah so yeah this 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 happens a lot you know and there's also companies that have or carriers but they have a lot of agents a lot of brokers working under them they'll actually swap freight around to the point that you know the what the shipper contracted it for to that carrier when it gets to the driver doesn't pay anything you know totally totally yeah no it's uh, it's awful and like what, what I would recommend for truckers in the industry is first, don't trust people that you don't have like a really good relationship with. Uh, people are really shady and scummy in this industry and they're going to try to make a buck. Uh, and I think drivers are really taking advantage of. Uh, so like really review the companies that you work with or work for. Like there's a lot of reviews online. Whenever, if it's too good to be true, especially with like, trucking companies promoting themselves as offering this much, just this amount and that amount really, uh, you know, keep an eye on it. And also you get, you, you will get screwed on the leases sometimes because you end up signing a deal, a contract, which is like a le- lease to own deal for a truck with a company. And then you're, you're set with that company for a few years and that company is going to be fe- feeding you awful loads, uh, because they know that you're stuck with them essentially. And they're going to be cutting your rates the trucking com- like the trucking companies will be cutting the drivers' rates, um, and it's blatantly done in Chicago with all these Eastern European companies. So you got to be careful. Not all of them are bad. There's a lot of good ones, but there's a lot of bad ones too. So doing compliance on the broker side and on the trucking side is super important. Verifying a lot of information, and luckily with the internet, you could you could do a lot of digging up and you could do a lot of references. So that's my advice to truckers out there: is just don't don't believe uh, don't believe something if it's too good to be true and uh, do the, do your compliance and due diligence online and, you know, make sure that the trucking company you work with is, is good. Yeah. See, to me, a scam like that is so, so counterproductive because as a driver, I tell companies this all the time, if the drivers feel like they're being taken care of, they're never going to leave you. Yeah. But if they, if they sniff, you know, something's not right and they have 
exit uh, opportunities, they're going to take them. So you're only going to get a constant churn of, of, of new people coming in. Yeah. And to build off that point, you see all these companies like promoting all these amazing pays, especially in Chicago, like amazing pay, amazing benefits, all that stuff. And they have crazy high turnover because <laughs> the drivers come and realize, oh, this, this isn't the fact. And then they go to the next company that's promoting the same thing. So usually like there's a lot of just, you know, marketing that's just not true in this industry and drivers uh, believe it. And it's just, yeah, definitely. There's a lot of good websites. I think that's actually, there'd be a better, there could be a better website for like truck company reviews. I feel like that could be also a good, re- a good idea potentially uh, where there's like a, I know there's like some platforms like forums and stuff, but there should be a better way for truckers to be able to communicate the, what's going on in these trucking companies. Yeah. It's mostly, dispersed like facebook groups right now but you know yeah. all it takes is one thread and somebody says hey what's a good company to drive for or what's a bad company to drive for and you just see it you know a thousand replies from everybody who's driven everywhere so you know exactly who not to drive for um totally. my, i'm never going to make any friends with these carriers that have this uh thing that they do where um you know the the sign-on bonus that they that they throw out the sign-on bonuses yeah. I, my first response to that is like name me one driver just one that has ever gotten a sign-on bonus mm-hmm. ever, ever. And they, they have nothing, you know, they'll, they'll $3,000, $5,000, $10,000 sign-on bonuses. Cool. Name one single driver that has made that yeah. and they can't, yeah. they're just not out there. Sure. Maybe you'll find one guy that's, you know, been stuck with the company for forever, but for the most part, you know, the, the sign-on bonus is never what, it, what, what they claim it is. It's, it's, you know, it's $50 extra per paycheck for the next, you know, two years or whatever. Totally. And nobody's nobody's gonna stick with the company for two years if they're not being treated, if they're not being taken care of. Yeah. No, it's one hundred percent true. If you haven't gone to otrsolutions.com slash BTU yet, here's your reminder. Not sure how to say it, but factoring these guys just makes sense. They're focused on driving your success and helping you grow your company. They've gone as far as offering custom business email address setups so you can negotiate better rates with brokers. There's just so much opportunity out there and OTR is your ticket to success. So head on over to otrsolutions.com slash btu and check out their solutions. Rooster, what was what was your favorite like um too good to be true claim from companies? Oh jeez. <laughs> there there's been several of them, but you know, usually when it's these rates, when you work or look on a load board and you'll see a load that's like three thousand dollars and it's only a thousand miles, I'm like, wow, that's a good load. And you you call in on it, and it's like, oh, I already got that load cover, sir. I'm, we're sorry. We'll take it off the load board now. Then you go back you know, a couple minutes later. There's that same city, same destination, same weight, same load info, everything. It's reposted on the board for $2,000. Well, you call in on it. Well, it's already covered. It's just this rolling cycle. So anytime I see uh, a really big pay-in rate on a load, I always have this sinking feeling. That it's, it's already a scam. It's already double broker or something like that <laughs> that's interesting <laughs> I, I i mean i was a freight broker for six years and there is a few instances where that might happen where it's not double brokered but uh sometimes the customer sales rep will see that a load is posted for too high uh and they want it for cheaper so they'll like yell at the carrier sales rep team to to lower the rate delete the post or so like they'll probably give you an excuse that it's covered because they don't want to tell you like, oh, we just dropped the rate a thousand dollars and we're making fifteen hundred dollars on this load. 
so that's one of the reasons why that might happen. Uh, a second reason is, well, if a load is posted for high amount, it's usually because there's a lot of requirements, a lot of drops uh, or, or pickups, and it, it's just a crappy load to begin with. So that's that's what I've learned at least from from running a team. And it's it's not easy being a freight broker these days. I know that there's a lot of uh, there's between a driver and a broker in a trucking company. Like there's like a love hate relationship. Uh, and freight brokers they are competing with all these people nowadays. There's there's like I think like fifty thousand registered freight brokers, and they're essentially all uh, I guess providing the same service, same solution. It's like, well, you know, you should work with me because I have amazing technology. But in reality, it's all just kind of marketing, and it's uh, it's it's tough to be a freight broker nowadays. That's why I actually closed my brokerage. I was like, I don't like this. I I rather do freight caviar, and that's why I do freight caviar, and uh, it's a lot more fun. A lot more enjoyable than being being a broker. <laughs> yeah, making memes is a lot more fun than actually doing the hard work. <laughs> <laughs> hey, me, memes aren't aren't that easy to make. Sometimes, you know, it's a, it requires a different kind of skill, <laughs> different skill set, and people need yeah. the memes. Absolutely. So w- that's always like my favorite thing to do with whenever I like encounter an online community, like say I'll you know let's pick thing around flashlights, you know. You go on Reddit, you find flashlights, and everyone's nerding out about flashlights. But then when you dig into, like, the memes of flashlights, that's when you really get down to, like, the bread and butter of these communities. Because you're like, wait, you can actually make memes out of, like, flashlights? (laughs) Or about flashlights? Yes, absolutely. So, yeah, one of my favorite things about following you guys, like, on Instagram or or Twitter is um, just... the the easiest way to to understand a a subject is to, like, see what the memes that are being made about it are. Totally. That's... It's funny you mentioned that, Justin, because I actually I had this guy here in Poland, and I was like teaching him to be like a freight broker, because um, we were we were working for this company out in Texas a year ago, and literally I was like, all right, well I'm gonna train you, and I'm gonna just literally train you off, train you off my memes. I'm like, this meme <laughs> is from this situation, and then this meme is from this situation, and then, and then like he would have he'd run into this, this, these situations. And he's like, Paul, it's so funny. Like that meme you once showed me, like I had the same situation like a minute ago. I'm like, yeah, see, like you, you could learn from these memes. It could be like a playbook. It's like, it's like a fun interactive way to, to train people. And I was, I was hanging out at the Molo Solutions office last week uh, in, in Chicago. And the guy that trains them was like, Paul, I use your memes for training. And I'm like, get out of here. That's so funny. Cause I, I, was, I was using it the same way. So like there's there, you can learn from the memes and, uh, my girlfriend's picking up on it a little bit. She she thought it, like, it used to just be like a stupid meme account. And now like after like, I don't know, being in the U.S. for two months, she's kind of like, oh, I, I understand some of your memes now. And like it's there's definitely a lot to learn from memes and it makes it more enjoyable <laughs> than than other ways of forms of learning. Yeah. And they're a great way of smuggling in tons of information in like a tiny little package because yeah. you can have depending on the image or the text or a combination of the two, there could be, you know, dozens of references in one single image or line of text, but you're able to just share that with like, you know, you, you just look at the image for half a second and you've already got like, you know, dozens of, of volumes of information just dumped into your head that you totally. unpacked yourself. Hopefully you already had that uh, in your head. The, the hardest memes I, I find are like ones where you really got to like do a lot of digging and understand the references. But then once you put in that work and like, you, you know what the, you know what they're referencing, then, you know, it's, it's fun. But yeah, the best memes are, very universal 
you know, you don't need to be a freight broker to look at freight brokerage memes and laugh because everybody <laughs> has like those same frustrations of screaming at some guy over the phone or some lazy coworker not doing their job. Totally. I, uh, I actually have a lot of dispatchers that follow me and a lot of, not a lot, but a decent amount of truck drivers follow me too, like on my, on my Instagram and stuff. Uh, cause I've been around for a while and some trucking pages have reposted my stuff. So it's, it's really interesting because like they, they interact with freight brokers all the time. And I just, I just had a phone call with the trucking company owner and yeah, he was telling me how like he shares all like my memes with his, like his team of dispatchers. So like I, I'm like the freight broker guy and the freight broker meme guy, but whoever interacts with freight brokers will understand them. So it's, it's definitely fun. As long as they're being shared, you know, you're doing something right. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I had a video of a freight broker sent me, all my memes printed out and plastered throughout their office. It was like a video of like a, like a meme just hanging around everywhere. It was so funny. So, do, do you off the top of your head? Do you know like what's been like your most popular or most shared post? Yeah, um, this one was back in January or Feb, beginning of February. It was like it was you know like the the photo of like the sword coming out and there was like two photos. There was like. The, the photo on top is a sword barely out. And then the bottom one is a fully out sword. And like, you mm-hmm. see, there's like a text written on the sword. And the caption was, yeah, if you, when you ask the carrier the load delivered, and then the first photo is the sword where it says yes. And then <laughs> you see the full sword and it says, yesterday the truck <laughs> broke down. Um, <laughs> so that was, <laughs> and it's funny. This is the first time I'm, I'm describing like a meme, like just uh, through talking, and it, it's it's great that you actually were able to laugh from it. Because, uh, but so that one had over two thousand likes on Instagram. I think like over six thousand reactions on LinkedIn, which was out. That's when like my LinkedIn went from having like three hundred followers to like 1300 followers overnight. And right now I'm like at 12,000, I think on LinkedIn. So hmm. that really propelled it. Cause beforehand, like I really didn't have that much traction on LinkedIn. And then all of a sudden, like I wake up and like, wow, that really took off. So that's why I love LinkedIn. LinkedIn, you never really know what might go viral. But then on Twitter, Ryan Peterson, the CEO of Flexport, repo- or he posted my meme and it got like 1200 likes on Twitter from Ryan Peterson, the CEO of Flexport. And that's like when it really took off. And like, I think that Duner started real, like saw that. And like, it was remarkable, honestly. I was like shocked of what yeah, happened. Yeah, it's, it's always a good feeling when you get noticed by like a bigger fish and then shared. Yeah. And that, that like elevates your platform. Totally. Link, LinkedIn, LinkedIn to me, I'm, I'm definitely underutilizing it. It's, it's probably out of all the platforms I'm using, it's the one I use the least. I have maybe have, two posts on it. Do you have back to truck up uh, account on LinkedIn? No, I have one for like myself. I know Rooster has one. Dooner has you one. You should do a back the truck up uh, account on LinkedIn and share like mm. share share all your stuff on there. It, you never know, especially like hashtag like truck driver or trucking and freight broker freight. I do you never know what might go viral on that platform. Same I guess with TikTok, but LinkedIn is like I would really if I were if I were you guys, I would look into it. It's definitely a great platform to share stuff. I I love it. I love LinkedIn. Yeah, I don't see a lot of truck drivers on there unless they own like a trucking company. That's um, true. It's it's mostly office workers. And That's true. Well, those those guys are just sharing memes all day instead of working, so it makes sense. Yeah, a lot of dispatchers are on there, and a lot of trucking companies that like from from the office side. So you might not get the truck driver, but you'll get like the dispatchers and the trucking company owners on there. So mm-hmm. it might be still a good audience to tap into. Yeah, my my basically what I like to do is I'll 
and I, I was talking to Rachel Premack about this the other day. And it's still astonishing to me. Like everybody at Freight Waves or these other companies, they all have like such serious jobs and titles and whatever. <laughs> and I'm just like the guy that has to go on Twitter and look at accounts called hourly shit posts and uh, see what see what popular memes are out there right now and you know use those same formats. Out. Yeah, oh, it's, yeah. It's, there's there's some ones where like you follow them and they're a bit too spicy, but I'm mostly I'm looking at it like um uh I'm basically on like meme safari. I'm looking around to see what not just what people are laughing at, but like the the format. So recently, like video has been like just taking off. You know, it was for the longest time only images really that took off yeah. because you could just take a picture, throw it in Photoshop, impact font seventy two, you know, outer stroke five, and then boom, done. But now. Totally. Now with um, cell phones being more po- more powerful and able to edit, edit videos, um, I'm seeing a lot more uh, video memes popping up everywhere, and yep. it's it's crazy seeing how all that stuff kind of kind of takes off. I'm feeling I'm, I'm I'm 39 now, and I've been on the internet for basically since my early teens, and I've seen this stuff happening from from the beginning, and seeing where it's at now, I'm really starting to feel my age because I'll see stuff and I'm like. Either my first reaction is my first reaction is never not this isn't funny. My first reaction is why do people find this funny? And I have to, <laughs> I, have to I have to dig a little bit. Most most of the time I can look at it and go okay I get it. But anytime I have to like start opening up three different web browser tabs and doing research, I'm like okay I'm not digging into this. Yeah, you know the so there's millennials and there's what Gen Z is that Gen Z yeah Gen Z yeah my sister's Gen Z I don't know they're like they're like a different breed of a like I I you know I thought I was like you know, on, on top of everything in, t- in terms of tech, but my sister knows like stuff that I don't even, I've never heard of before. So I'm, I'm feeling, I'm 29. She's, she's 18. So like, I'm definitely like kind of feeling my age a little bit too. And I, I do like the video stuff. Uh, like, I don't know. I like the reels on Instagram. I think they're pretty cool. Uh, I don't, I know you guys you utilize TikTok a lot. I'm, I don't really go on TikTok. Can you share with me some of your experiences with TikTok? Uh, you're really at the mercy of the algorithm with TikTok because I'll have stuff where I've like sat down for half a day and like written out exactly how I'm going to say it. And, you know, put a a bunch of effort into it and I'll throw it up there and it gets like 30 views. And then I'll have something that I just slapped together in like 10 minutes and went, okay, here we go. And it gets 40,000 within like half a day. So I would say find something that's very topical, um, use the right hashtags and then Post it like later in the afternoon. I've noticed that like if I post something in the mornings, it just sits there dead all day. But if I post sure. something at like three, four o'clock in the afternoon, it might not pick up immediately. But overnight, it really catches fire because I, I'm. My guess is that the majority of our audience is truck drivers, and they're not viewing this stuff behind the wheel. I hope, fingers crossed, guys. Um, mm-hmm. But they're watching it like at night when they're parked and sleeping in their in their bunks, and they're just trying to sure. kill time before they take a nap. So yeah. that, that's that's really when our our stuff like takes off. Totally. I've, I've noticed that on Instagram as well. Like my, my posts do better posted like around three or 4 PM central time. So like it does make a difference when you post and even there's like a lot of social media blogs about like finding the right time to post and a, which network. So yeah, once you realize that you, taking advantage of it is, is so important. Uh, posting time. If you had told me six months ago, I'd be making memes for a living. I would have thought you were crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a funny world we live in because of this internet stuff. Yeah. It's crazy. Oh, and companies are desperate for it because like, um, what was it? Five, four or five years ago. Um, oh geez. Was it Wendy's? I think on uh, Twitter, yeah. you know, they, they, they kind of struck gold with this, like the way 
these like big corporations tweet now. It's it's like how do you do fellow kids kind of millennial stuff. I can't stand it because I see it coming a mile away. Yes, but you know, as far as advertising go, the audiences are eating it up. You know, and they're sharing it because it's all you know relatable, relatable, relatable. And I'm I'm just so contrarian enough that I see that stuff. I'm like, okay, I see what they're doing, and it's you know it has no effect on me. But I, I can't help but admit that like, yeah, it's it actually it actually works. I think they're turning away from that now because you know, it's, it's, it's just overly done, but every once in a while you'll have like, you know, stakeums of all places, you know, tweet out something and it goes crazy. And I'm like, I can't believe that worked. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think the humor side of things is super important for, for companies. And the Wendy's Twitter account was hysterical. And I think it still is. And they've have a lot of copiers now, like, uh, yeah. And it, but it's even like the ones that like kind of, picked up on it and copy their style they're still like doing a great job of marketing and it's it's cool to to see that happening and i uh it's exciting it's, i i think it's a very exciting time to be alive because even like 10 20 years ago i would have never been able to do what i do now and especially since i live in poland uh and i i could work remotely from here and work on the u.s market it's phenomenal you know via zoom or or zencaster to record this podcast it's, it's really uh amazing yeah, it's a totally interconnected world. And like, we're not paying to do any of this stuff. Like it's Zencast is a free platform. Anyone can use it. Whereas 10 years ago, we would have needed, you know, a whole, we would have had to buy a bunch of recording equipment or rent a studio for, you know, a huge markup. And nowadays, you know, if you, it's not going to sound great, but if you've got a couple of cell phones and uh, some time to kill, anyone can make a podcast. Totally. No, 100%. And that's, that's like why I started my podcast. I love connecting with people in the industry. So it's it's how many how many episodes is your podcast up to now? Yikes, man! I don't even know, Justin. I I I I used to do like this kind of thing where I post, and the, the reason why I called it a daily freak out of your podcast because I used to have like a daily snippet of my podcast, and they just kind of became burdensome. I think I'm like sixty something episodes. Um, oh, perfect! You're you are well into the top one percent of all podcasts of all time. <laughs> Did you know about that stat? I, I didn't know that, no. Yeah, so 90% of all podcasts ever made don't make it past five episodes. Okay. And of that, or maybe it was 80%, whatever it is, but of that percentage that's left over, 90% of those never make it past episode 20. So if you want to become part of the top 1% of all podcasts of all time, just make 21 episodes. That's amazing. And I, I yeah. honestly, like, I've realized the power of the internet and how when you make content, it just stays on the internet, how like how it compounds. So for example, today I had a call with some, he's a senior at Yale, uh, this this kid, super smart kid, like a programmer, like, and he he's actually going to be the producer of a podcast for some, some really known person in the venture capital world. Uh, and he's written a book with, he actually has a book written with the co-founder of LinkedIn. And now he's producing a podcast for this guy. And he actually ran across my episode with Craig Fuller, uh, the CEO of Freight Waves, like on YouTube. And he was like, oh, I really liked your episode. And like, I'm thinking about getting Craig on the on the podcast. And like, I just wanted to reach out to you to talk. And I'm like, I'm like, literally one person away from like some famous venture capitalist because he's going to be the producer of the show. It's unbelievable. And like, I recorded this episode in April and he just watched it recently. So it just shows like how valuable it is to to be out there and be on the internet. I've connected with so many great people and it's, it's amazing. Like I'm doing this podcast uh, with you guys right now and it's just the power of the internet. It's all, it's all it is. 
Yeah, longevity is key because once you get a certain like like there's white whales out there that you're trying to snag all the time, and once you've got one, that opens up that guest will be able to open up you know a dozen other types of guests that you can have on totally. too. Um, yeah, we're trying to get Steve Aselli on here, and he he's a sociologist professor, and he wrote this book called The Big Rig back in the day, and in my early days of, of driving, I was listening to an interview he did on NPR and he knew exactly what he was talking about. He was talking about the trucking industry and he was like one of the first interviews that I listened to where I'm like, okay, this guy actually like talks the talk and walks the walk. He decided that if he was going to cover the industry, the best way to do it would be to go to, go to truck driving school, get a CDL and then, you know, drive for a bit. And that's exactly what he did. Um, and I know that once we have him on, that's going to be able to allow us to get, other guests on that we normally wouldn't be able to if, if we didn't totally. have him on. Yeah, no, it's true. And I, I got to give a shout out to Craig Fuller because he, he was on my podcast and uh, it definitely like built up the like reputation of my podcast because he reshared it on his network. And I'm like, wow, that's amazing. So yeah, I totally agree with you on that, uh, Justin. It's, it's, and it's cool to get to talk to like, you know, like people that like normally you would never have the opportunity to. Uh, so yeah. Yeah. Just go on YouTube and look at any podcast that's been out for like the last, two to five years look at their early <laughs> guests it's it's all like people that e- either they just ramble them for themselves for about an hour or two and then they'll get a guest on here and there but once they start getting guests as the episodes go on it's just bigger and bigger and bigger people um modern wisdom by uh, chris williamson he's one of my favorite podcasts to listen to and he went from being just a club promoter overseas to being on reality tv and uh hanging out with a bunch of hot women and realizing ah, this isn't doing it for me and uh, hunker down, started a podcast, and he's been doing that for a couple of years now. And he's he's snagging like big guests on. He was just on Joe Rogan uh, a couple of weeks ago. That's amazing. Yeah, wow. I, uh, and I mean, and that's that's the that's the podcast Godfather right there. You guys should get a podcast studio going. Somewhere. <laughs> I, I, I actually I rented a podcast studio when I was in, out in Chicago, and it was the coolest thing in the world. Like so cool. I posted a clip of it out of uh, one of the podcasts today on on Twitter and. Yikes, man. It's just such a different vibe. You know, like Joe Rogan has that whole studio. Like, I wish, like, I lived in Chicago right now. I, I would have, like, a dope ass. Sorry. Sorry for the language. I hope that. I would um, have, like, a really cool studio if I lived in Chicago and I just have people coming in. It's it's a cool, cool vibe for sure. Doing the, uh, doing the whole working from home thing now, I totally understand why somebody like Joe Rogan would have, like, his whole – calling it a studio is like an insult to studios that guy's got like a it's a man cave of man caves well his old his old his old compound was i've got no idea what his new one in texas is like but i i've seen photos and videos of his old setup in los angeles okay i mean it was it was like a 20 car garage with like a mma gym and a podcast studio and a pool hall and i think he basically just copied and pasted that in texas but because it's texas it's even bigger yeah yeah it looks cool you know and god what i would so i think for something like that for us would be kind of like what otr has right now otr solutions our sponsor they have an office set up and if you're a client of theirs you basically just come on by and and stop by and say hello if we had like you know who knows where this place is where, where we're going years from now but say there was a uh giant trucking podcast i would definitely have truck truck parking and uh guys come on in say hello yeah 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 totally that would be really cool <laughs> hey you never know uh, this is just the beginning one, one can I see dream. this yeah. this is one episode 12 yeah no that's a yeah. good dream 
I and I think you're gonna get there, uh, both of you guys. I like what you guys are doing at Back the Truck Up. It's exciting. Oh, to thanks, see. man. Yeah, yeah. Right. And what's what's I like that we're able to bridge that gap between drivers and brokers and the totally. C suite and the journalists. Like there isn't any kind of platform where all those groups are talking to each other. You know, the drivers yeah. have their forums and their Facebook groups and their their Twitter chats and stuff. And the freight brokers have basically the same thing. And then this all the C suite guys are talking to each other, but we're able to bridge the gap between all those groups. And it's great. 100%. I love it. I love it too. Um, so where did the name Freight Caviar come from? <laughs> uh, I was listening to the Rap Caviar playlist on Spotify, and hmm. I used to be called Shipping Pallets because I when I when I started my username, I was like I had a small little brokerage, and I had an Amish shipper out of uh, Northwest Ohio, uh, and it was so funny because he would buy like old old pallets, and this guy was all email or like, and he would. Yeah, he was all only email. He would never pick up the phone, and he was Amish. Uh, and all he did was just he would refurbish the pallets. Uh, you know, him, him and his family would. Uh, and that was my only customer. And I, I had my username shipping pallets. <laughs> and then, <laughs> yeah, one day I'm like listening to rap caviar. I'm like freight caviar sounds like a cool name. And I call hey, like my good. Name. <laughs> thank you, thank you. I uh, I call my good friend up. And I'm like, yo, what do you think of freight caviar? He's like, Paul, it's amazing. And he's like, it's it like uh, basically like symbolizes exactly what you're doing. You're like, you're in Eastern Europe, and you talk about like Eastern Europe and like the the shadiness and the cool parts of it and all this stuff and like the freight world in America. You should totally be freight caviar. And like, literally, I got the username, and it's been freight caviar ever since. And I'm never going to change it. I'm actually in the process of trademarking it right now. So if anyone oh, yeah. tries to replicate my name i could take them to court so it's it's definitely something it's my little baby and I, I love it yeah being a child of the early 80s when i think of caviar i instantly think of like james bond villains yeah totally <laughs> yep that's <laughs> you know I've, i have a large audience in eastern europe because 67 percent is from the u.s and like 33 percent is probably somewhere in eastern europe or in armenia so it fits pretty well one thing i didn't notice uh paul was I don't know if it was a response to one of your articles, but uh, the Armenians kind of really take this seriously when, when they're doing their brokering. And you know, like you were saying, saying you know, by being freight guarded, uh, how, did, how, how do they take it over there whenever they uh, get that notice they're being freight guarded? I've heard, I've heard they take some to some extremes every once in a while. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I mean when i was there we had like I, I did this like little forum thing in like the center of uh i didn't write about this in an article because it was actually my last day and like, i i just basically said like if anyone wants to meet up like in the center point in the city we could you know just talk for a little bit and, like, i think like 20 people came in and we're like just chatting there and this guy this guy like he's 18 this kid was 18 and you know you could tell that he was like poor uh and you could kind of tell he's also like a hustler where he's like i'm just you know he's trying to make money and he's like he took a load that he couldn't cover and so he gave it back to the broker 24 hours before pickup and they freight guarded him. And he was like, literally he like tears in his eyes, like telling me, like saying how he cried all day. Cause like he knows that that's going to have an impact on the money he brings in. And when, when you go in from like a standpoint of like trying to be in their shoes, uh, you kind of like, you feel really bad for them. Cause just, I'm going to take it. I'm going to sidetrack a little bit, but history of Armenia is kind of rough, uh, Siri turned on for a second. Sorry. Uh, the, the the history in Armenia is rough because, well, first of all, like in the beginning of the 20th century, the Turks committed genocide in Armenia. 
uh, on, on Armenian people, like millions of people died. Uh, and then it's been a war with Azerbaijan over territory for the last couple of years. And a lot of young people have died or like a lot of uh, people have died or they've, uh, they were soldiers in the war. So it's just a tough area. And, you know, you're not making a lot of money. Uh, your, your parents probably live paycheck to paycheck. Uh, there's rampant corruption ongoing. And you're, you're basically in a tough geographical location where you're in the crossroads of Christianity and, and Islam. And what I learned is actually Armenia was like, is technically the first Christian country is the first country that ever was baptized. Uh, so like, in, in like, a, in a sense that we're like, the, the leader of Armenia was like, we're all Christians now from like, you know, it was like the first country, if you Google it, you'll see it's like the first country to ever become Christian fully. So um, I feel bad, I felt bad for them, you know, like, I'm like, shit, like, if I was, if I was born in Armenia, I'd be probably a double broker too, you know, they don't know better, they don't have any better opportunities. And when when they get reported for, for doing stuff, you know, they're not the ones technically to blame, the ones that are to blame are the ones that are, you know, the ones that are creating uh, the companies and training them to be double brokers. But, you know, them as kids, they're just kids. A lot of them are young. They don't, that's, you know, they, they got this job in, in logistics and when they get freight guarded, they, you know, like they, they're like thinking in their minds, like crap, like, you know, I'm, I might not make any money this month or, you know, my, whatever money I made, is going to be like, I'm going to have half of that or whoever owns that MC is going to, you know, hurt him. Or I don't know what, what happens in that area. Probably not hurt him, but, you know, like they have all these thoughts running through their mind of like, what are the consequences of getting a freight guard? And, you know, they're afraid and they're scared. And it, I honestly, like I felt for them, like, you know, cause I know like we're lucky and fortunate to be, have been born in America. We won a lottery, a lottery ticket, you know, having been born in America, like this kid, uh, there's something different between us two, besides the fact that he was born in Armenia and has, you know, a lot less opportunities available. So I felt for him, you know, and like, I, I have empathy and I, I definitely, uh, you know, kind of show that when I was writing the articles, because I, I feel like we, there, there should be a better solution for it somehow to make it work. And uh, it's just, it is, that's, uh, sorry if we're going on a long. <laughs> no, long, has, there, uh, has, it, has uh, there been any common. attempt, has there been any attempt here by anyone in this industry to like help them go legit? Because if you're looking for a, a, a pool of talented workers and you have people that have been in, in the industry, um, but you want to help them go legit, to me, this seems like a great opportunity. I, so I, I totally agree with you. And it's something I thought about. Um, I know there's one lady that, that is trying, she's actually Armenian in background and she's like trying to do like an agency, like a legitimate agency. Uh, it's definitely difficult and there's a lot of stigmas involved. Uh, so like people that do have maybe the money and the capital to potentially invest or make it legitimate. I don't think they're necessarily interested. I haven't really tried that hard. So maybe there are more people that would be interested in it. I, yeah. And, but I, to your point, Justin, like I saw the potential, I'm like, there's thousands of people here that are, you know, they, they, they're hustlers they are hungry. They want to work. They'll, they'll work really hard to make that dollar. So there is an opportunity. I think it's an opportunity that, and there's a problem as well. So there's a solution to be solved. Uh, there's an opportunity and there's a problem. So it could result in someone really taking, you know, advantage of the situation, uh, it's not. It's not going to be me. I don't have the capital or the, the I guess, the stress, the nerves to, to to handle it. Just because I don't want to be a freight broker anymore. But definitely a big opportunity for someone who who might be interested in changing it up a little bit, tweaking a little bit, where it would be legitimate and they they have jobs. But that's that's for someone's someone else's undertaking. Making memes is a lot more fun. 
<laughs> totally. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, and, uh, it's been an it's been an hour here. Is there anything else you wanted to add before we uh, wrap this up? No, it's it's. Uh, I just wanted to add that making memes and writing article, articles for back the truck up is a lot more enjoyable than um, <laughs> than doing that stuff. But yeah, thanks thanks guys for having me. It's it's been fun to talk to you guys, and uh, thanks for having me. Yeah. Yeah. Anytime. And one more and one more time, Paul. Where can everybody find you out here on the internet? Uh, yeah. So freight caviar. Um, usually mostly on Instagram. I also tweet some stuff, LinkedIn, YouTube. Uh, or you could email us info at freightcaviar.com. Uh, that's probably the best way to reach us in terms of like getting a response just cause I get too many messages on Instagram and LinkedIn, but, uh, yeah, info at freightcaviar.com. Awesome. And, you know, Paul, once again, we thank you for coming on the podcast and, uh, you know, the great articles you're putting on back to truckup.com. Paul, thank you so much for your time. Uh, I'm Justin Martin joined with James Rooster Bowen and, uh, no, God, I'm going to butcher your name again here. I'm just again. Paul, PBJ. <laughs> PBJ. PBJ. PBJ from Freight Caviar. <laughs> there you go. Thanks guys for having me. Uh, nice